Today on the show, I'm happy to have Christian Puka. He's the CEO of Tembi. They offer prescriptive intelligence at scale. And you were just telling me the story of the consulting company that you had that went bankrupt and then having to start over again. Yeah. So about eight, 10 years ago, I was, I was pretty young when I became CEO of a consulting company and that was a growing consulting company. And so I took, I took over the steering wheel, so to speak. And then we did a lot of investments, a lot of things were going on. And after a few years, suddenly almost out of the blue, we went bankrupt. And uh, tragically enough, we had a big party a few months before. And that day the bank called me and the chairman and me went to the bank. And they said, something is, com something is completely wrong in your, in your company. And walking back, like we had hundreds of people joining this party, the, the upper society and all the cool people from Copenhagen. And we talked about, this is the party on Titanic. Nobody knows this. How do we handle it? So that was, that was a big, a big shock and a, and a big thing. So after a couple of months of trying to fight to be on, to get back on track, we had to. We had to give up and then we did what you call a management buyout. So we buyed out, bought out some of the good assets and continued and built the company again, all over again. And some years after I was so fortunate to be able to make an exit of that and build Tembi as well afterwards. So that was a kind of a, that was a kind of a tough situation. Sound was the party is what did it. It's what put it over the edge. <laughs> no, that was actually a very cost efficient party. No, it was just, we did a lot of investments because we were based in Copenhagen. We had clients throughout Europe and even in the U.S. as well. And we started opening up offices in Oslo and in Stockholm. And we did a lot of investments. And unfortunately, you can say that the setup around the, uh, the auditor company, the bookkeeping, the CFO we had at the, that time was not, was not optimal. But you know that when you drive a company, that is growing so fast and you're doing a lot of things and you just see everything is going in the right direction. Sometimes you don't sit down and make sure that some of the fundamentals, they have to be to, to get a, a notch another, up another level, right? Because if not, things fall apart. So that was, uh, that was a big thing. And actually that was some of the things I learned. I think I learned two things uh, in, in that process. Now three actually. And the first thing is always, if you want to develop and grow a company, uh, be a, a couple of steps in front of what is happening. Because if the company becomes, if you're 10 people and it becomes 50 people, or if you're 20 and it becomes a hundred people, at some point you'll need to do the things uh, that, that you need to professionalize. And when you are 50 or a hundred people, it's just a much, much bigger task to reverse engineer everything you've done and build it up again. And that was actually one of the things that happened in that process it, that would Things simply went wrong. So building the next companies after that, getting these foundations on different levels, maybe a bit too soon, get them right a bit too soon. I think that is so crucial. Another thing I learned in that process is that my board and the owners of the company and the bank as well back then, they told me afterwards that one of the reasons, one of the things was that they, it seemed as if I had a lot of things under control. So this meant that they might not have been so active that as they should have been. And, and that was not because I intended to do that. So one of the things I do right now, I'm trying to be pretty open about some of the challenges I see and some of the things that don't, that, that I feel go wrong. And maybe sometimes even a bit more open that, that you see elsewhere. Um, and I think the third thing uh, I learned in that process is that afterwards, after coming through the storm, a lot of people actually contacted me. They've been through the same thing or similar things or just a business catastrophe 
in their career as well that were formative and being that so many people reached out to me, wanted to grab a cup of coffee and talk and hear the story and explain what they've been through. That was really a big relief for me because I don't know what it is like where you're from, but at least where I'm from, that failure story is not uh, business-wise, it not, it's not something you read, you celebrate too much. You don't post it on LinkedIn. Yeah, we failed guys for real. We just didn't fail for fun. We really failed. We fucked it up. You don't hear these stories. But so that transparency from others, that was really something that learned me that third thing, that it is not uncommon to do big mistakes. You have to learn from them and you had to get, get mo moving afterwards again. Yeah, it's not spoken about enough and it's all, it all seems, oh yeah, we build a business and everything is great. It's, there's a lot of failures. There's a lot of businesses that just fail before you actually create the one that yeah. does work. And the guys who are the, who create the most successful businesses, they're the ones who failed the hardest. And they took all those lessons from it. Agree. And sometimes they also take some of the biggest risks, right? So the biggest risks and they crash, but sometimes when they don't crash, they crash for real. They also build a rocket that does something completely different that really skyrockets here. And that is also some of the things if you're not able to take the risks, if you don't dare to do that, then you will also never gain. You'll never try these, these great journeys. You will never change something completely in your industry. Most likely you will fail a lot of times in that uh, trying to do that. So now you're big in the data science game. What are you doing with Tembi? So actually what we're doing is that we are taking everything from open data, machine learning, NLP, AI, and these things, predictive analytics, and trying to make that easily accessible for the end users who want to use these things. Now, six months ago, or no, a year ago, I think, when I told that story, nobody, a lot of people didn't know how to relate to that. But nowadays they heard about ChatGPT and that's part of the story. But the beauty with ChatGPT, of course, is that it makes it really simple and easy for a lot of people to go in and use an AI-powered um, service. But that is also basically what we do. We just do more prescriptive analytics and we try to see what, is, what will happen in the industry you're in. And we make it accessible so that you don't need an IT department or data science department or to be successful. If you can say the value chain, Google DeepMind or DeepMind, that were the first ones trying to solve what is machine learning and these, what is AI. And then you had fast, fast AI that made it easily accessible for the data scientists out there. And then you have companies like Data Robot. So now it's the models are easy accessible, but also how can we put it into the system? But still, a lot of things have been missing for those people who are actually benefiting from analytics and intelligence, AI, open data. And that is what we target so that the, you can, being a bit of popular phrase, democratizing the benefits of, of this new revolution that I personally feel that we are standing in front of. Do you have a specific example of what your technology did for a client? Yeah, we have a couple of good examples. For instance, so we are able to go in and predict the companies that are that could be about to move or that would move in the next year or two years from now or three years from now. And that's really relevant if you are a if you're working within real estate and you want to develop a new big office building, then you want to find those find those before that they might even know it themselves. And actually, we have several good examples of that where clients have got in and used our service. And sometimes they're actually able just to call or identify companies and they truly don't believe that they're going to move themselves. They say, no, it's not going to happen. Then six months later or 12 months later, this things occurs actually in, 
in the decision-making processes, in the boardrooms. And they're so crucial to be there before the others so they can make, so you can make the right investments in the, uh, in the real estate uh, development in an area. You can get these uh, big corporates in before your competitors in the market. So that's one, ex- one example. Another example is that we work at, we have a solution that is going directly towards the e-commerce industry. So we got some of the, the big carriers that, that you would know yourself as well as clients. And, and some of them, one of them he said, said uh, we don't know how many web shops, for instance, there, there is in the Netherlands. So we are based in Copenhagen in Denmark, but we operate in Northwestern Europe. And, and I, we asked them, how many do you think that there are? And they said, at least a couple of hundreds. And we said, we know how many web shops we see in Denmark and Sweden. So yeah, maybe, maybe a couple of thousands. And we could tell them it's actually 80,000 companies. And you are able to target those and win those by using our service and do it this and that way. So we've seen companies that say just in a, in the, within the first month, our, we are based on subscriptions. So our, the subscription has paid itself off. So I think we had one where we calculated the ROI of being 3,000%. That's pretty good in, in, in that respect. Yeah, it's amazingly accurate data analytics if you can get a 3,000% return. Exactly, exactly. But also because one is just being accurate. Another thing is, one of the things that you don't know is what is outside your own company. You know about, every, everybody knows about business intelligence. We can tell, we can say what happened in our company last, up until yesterday. Did, how much did we sell? How did we perform financially? How many employees left our company? These kind of things. You can tell that up until yesterday. But what you typically don't know anything about is all the data points out there and with all the data points of the competitors, your clients, your potential employees. So just giving this radical transparency into the market so that you're actually able to make, to execute the decisions in an in effective way. That is something that, that we also see that our clients, when they start using our service, that transparency, oh my God, I didn't know that. That is uh, mind blowing. If you could tell your younger self one thing, what would it be? If I should tell myself, my, the young myself. Any one thing, what would it be? My young self, I would not, I would possibly have to say that you should go with, with tech and business development earlier than you did. It's never too late. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But I was also, I'm also from a generation where data and analytics, that was more like yeah. old technology when you did it back then. Now you're deep in it, so you're making up for it. Yeah. <laughs> so if our listeners wanted to get in touch with Tempe or yourself, how can they do so? Of course, we have a webpage. It's www.tembi.io. We also have a LinkedIn, a LinkedIn profile that, we're, that is pretty active. We would welcome anyone who's interested in learning from us, seeking advice, clients, of course, potential employees, investors. We are interested in talking with everybody. Thank you, Christian, for coming on the show. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. Make sure to smash the subscribe button. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki, and we'll see you next time.